Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 133 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you on Oilers Now. Once in a while, you come across, uh, you know, some writers, and I know some of you that like the work of Sports Illustrated, as an example, probably know who Wright Thompson is. Uh, he's written some brilliant pieces over the years, and his is more of the human interest story. And then you have some guys that can really sort of communicate, uh, you know, analytical thought processes in a manner where it doesn't beat you down straight with the numbers and uh, the athletic is really uh, becoming a John Shannon and we were having this conversation the other day uh, really become an important new ad to the whole literary scene in this country especially for sports and one of the best young writers out there right now is based in Winnipeg uh, his name is Moret Atesh and he rejoins us he's been on the show once before we welcome him back uh, Moret how you doing I'm doing well so kind thanks for having me Bob yeah, well, it's, uh, you can slide me a 20 the next time I see you in Winnipeg if we ever get a chance again to uh, travel with the hockey team and that sort of thing. Hey, let's get to it. There are a lot of – I don't know if you found this, uh, if you've heard this before, but I would suggest to you that the Winnipeg Jets – uh, you know, the Oilers have had long rivalries with the Flames and the Canucks. That's a given. Uh, Vancouver had the type of team that not everybody liked in the early 2010s, and they also had a pretty good team during that time. But everybody's had a lot of affinity for Winnipeg around the National Hockey League. Do you hear that from uh, some of the writers that you communicate around the league? I absolutely do, and I still I'm still trying to wrap my head around it because yeah, Winnipeg is it feels like we're everybody's second favorite city or second favorite team. The Jets would be um, maybe it's because folks around the country just know what hockey means to the community and feel for Winnipeg having had to go for so long without an NHL team here. But sincerely, the warmth is is wide and widespread for for the Jets and for Jets fans here. All right, let's start with, uh, you know, sort of your perception. Uh, how did, I mean, Winnipeg lost some significant players in their playoffs, uh, play-in series against the Calgary Flames. Did, were people fairly, you know, rational in terms of their evaluation of the Jets' demise, or was there a fair amount of criticism in that market for uh, Calgary knocking off the Jets? 
I think people were fair uh, to the Winnipeg Jets. I'm not sure that they were fair to the Calgary Flames, to be honest, because uh, the sense of the autopsy with respect to the Winnipeg Jets was that, okay, it was a pretty close series heading in. Connor Hellebuck was probably the best player in the series uh, heading into the series. I'm not saying he had the best series of everybody involved, but I think Jets fans thought that the Winnipeg Jets could steal that uh, series. Then you see Mark Scheifele go down so early, and you see Patrick Laine go down at the end of that game, and Mason Appleton too, who's a, who's a bottom six player as well. But to lose two star players so soon, I think a lot of people looked at that and thought, well, hey, you know what? Uh, this is it. This is here right now. I don't know that the series is going to be in Winnipeg's favor, and I think that's how it went. From the Athletic in Winnipeg, Marette Atesh joining us, Bob Stoffer joining you on Oilers now. All right, Patrick Laine. You mentioned him. His name has been out there. You did an entire series on Patrick Laine trade uh, rumors. What's the appetite from people in Winnipeg? What are you hearing on Laine? Is it still a possibility he could be potentially in play uh, before the return to play for the 2021 season? And why is his name out there? Well, I do believe it's possible that a Patrick Laine trade happens before the season starts. I've argued many times at The Athletic and otherwise that uh, it's not a good idea for the Winnipeg Jets to be trading a 22-year-old player coming into his own. Uh, finally, there's no way he's not playing with Paul Stastny or Mark Shifley, so he's going to have an excellent center. Uh, most players peak offensively starting at about 23 years old, and you've seen that in Edmonton. Look at Leon Dreisaitl. I'm not saying they're the same player, but most players peak it around this time it's a good situation for Patrick Laine to play with Stastny he's coming into his own this is perhaps going to be the most impressive offensive season of Patrick Laine's life and if I'm the Winnipeg Jets sussing out the trade market for him right now I don't see what the hurry is I don't think that there's any pressure or panic in Kevin Shovel Dayoff's shoes uh, I think that they'd be best served to actually let this season play out see what kind of production you can get out of Patrick Laine and if you can sign him long term great if you can't well then look at what he's just been able to do in a really good situation a really good setup uh, i think that his market value would go up this year edmonton and winnipeg have experienced at times similar challenges when it comes to the procurement of unrestricted uh, free agents I, i'm sensing that's changing a little bit certainly in the case of the orders i mean you got mcdavid and dry saddle you have a new building uh winnipeg was jacob truba never committed long term to that organization is there any concern that way regarding lining well I think that there is some concern in the long-term sense of things because contractually, he's almost in the same situation that Jacob Truba was. The only thing that's different is Truba was fairly forthcoming from early on in his Jets career that this wasn't a place that he loved. There was the trade request. Uh, eventually, it came out that, uh, you know, for his fiance's sake, there were so many reasons that family wanted to move to the States. They got their wish. But the thing that they do absolutely have in common is, well, this coming summer, Patrick Laine is going to have arbitration rights. And and he'll be within two years of uh, away from his unrestricted free agency eligibility. If he chooses arbitration this coming summer, Winnipeg can either choose two years, which would be foolish. They're not going to walk him right to free agency, or one year, uh, which is what Winnipeg was made to do with Jacob Truba. So they walked to one year from free agency and then um, signed a one-year deal again, and then the, the trade was there. And it just seems to be, if you're a player looking to get out of a market, this is an avenue that you have. I'm not saying that's the, the route Patrick Liney is absolutely taking, but I think that there's a valid concern there that he's looking at that unrestricted free agency payday as early in his career as he's able to get it. Murat, is there a, a 
you know, what's your thoughts on Connor Hellebuck repeating what he did? Uh, and again, I'm now not going to compare Cam Talbot to Hellebuck, but Talbot had one extraordinary year here at Edmonton, was a big part of the 16-17 team that won, I think, 47 games during the regular season, got two rounds into the playoffs. Uh, but the workload got to him, and the Western travel can get to you. So on that note, um, you know, is there a feeling that Hellebuck can be a guy that starts, you know, three quarters of the games each year, 60 plus games? Is that, can he replicate what he did this season? Well, I know for a fact that he wants that workload, and I'm sure every goalie does. Um, but it's something that he's talked about very openly over the last couple of seasons. He had that Vezina runner-up season in 2017-2018, won a ton of games, played great. Uh, but that was a little bit closer to a, a stacked Jets team. That was when they slugged Bufflin and Truba and Myers and Sherrod on the back end, Toby Enstrom as well. It was a completely different team. What he just did this most recent year with a gutted defense, waiver wire acquisitions, a late summer signings you know and then injuries it was a it was a really impressive year on so many different levels let me be up front i i think that the vesna trophy is completely deserved but as you know and you know from an analytics perspective we know very well too predicting a goaltender's performance is next to impossible you can set a range i think that we know that connor hellebuck's a very good goaltender a good bet to be one of the best but can he repeat it to the exact level of of the amazing year that he had i'm not so sure and i think winnipeg should be concerned even if he's very good instead of the best uh, i think that they would have some defensive improvements to make to make up for it if you were to handicap the central division right now if it's a central division where would you have the jets sitting and conversely if we go all canadian division where would you have the jets sitting yeah, it's uh, it's such a tough uh, tough uh, race to to bet on right here and now. I think Winnipeg's in tough in both scenarios. I think the Central Division uh, has been a, a very difficult one to play in for for ages. Uh, you see some transformations of rosters. I think Minnesota's taken a step back, so I think Winnipeg would safely be uh, above that. Um, but I, I'm excited about the idea of a Canadian division. I, I think that. That, that Calgary, Edmonton, Vancouver, Winnipeg group uh, is probably a tight pack. I yep. think that Toronto, I, I, I like a lot of what they, they've done. I like that Joe Thornton addition as well, i got to be honest. So I, I have them a little bit clear. But then those next four teams, I think, could go any direction. At the Athletic the other day, I said Winnipeg could finish anywhere from third to sixth in a Canadian division. But then they made me double down, and I chose sixth. I thought that Edmonton, Calgary, and Vancouver would finish ahead of Winnipeg uh, just because of, I mean, the mcdavid Dreisaitl factor, the Markstrom factor, and then Vancouver's on the way up as well. Yeah, uh, why do you got Toronto at number one? I like their forward depth so much, and I know that defense has held them back in recent years and the question of what they're able to fit in cap-wise because they've got those enormous contracts to their key players. I just think that that's an area of strength that is so strong at this stage of the game that they're going to make the tweaks and the tweaks that have been made. You know, They're going to be able to find the patchwork on defense to get it just good enough such that their goaltending can carry the day. I think they're a step, a step deeper up front with their elite power. Marat Atesh joining us right now from the Athletic out of Winnipeg. So let's get to, I, I, I brought up, uh, you know, earlier in the conversation, right, Thompson, and he sort of has a, I, I, 
I'd say almost a folksy style of writing and tends to focus on the human interest stories. He's a guy that he, some people might know. He's a guy that wrote uh, ESPN's 30 for 30 on the ghost of Mississippi uh, about uh, Mississippi's football program back in 1962 and the fact that th- at that time the governor of Mississippi didn't want to allow African Americans uh, into his university and that uh, you know Kennedy stepped up and ensured that it happened and they played that against the greatest football season the school ever had. And he, It was a really deep conversation but from a folksy perspective and i guess the question i have for you is can can a guy do analytics driven writing and the athletic has got a lot of that uh marat can, can you do that while still also doing sort of the human interest stories that have often traditionally been the focal point uh of say calmness and, and opinion driven pieces as well you know, I believe so, and I need to believe so because I love human interest pieces. I love writing them. Uh, I'm, I'm working on one right now about Cole Perfetti, Winnipeg's latest draft, uh, draft pick at 10th overall. Um, I have absolutely loved writing them uh, whenever possible. But I, I think there's room for both. And I think it comes down to just remembering that our connection to sport comes from so many different places. I think it starts in an emotional place. I think it it starts on the playground as a kid. I think it starts watching it, you know, ideally with your family growing up. And it's memories, it's connections, it's elations, it's heartbreak before it's analysis. I think the best and strongest memories are always emotionally driven. And that's why I think that some element of humanity has to exist in every story, even if it's numbers driven you have to know why why do we care about this what does this say what is the purpose what's the takeaway how is it going to affect my chances as a fan of heartbreak or happiness as it goes forward and i think that like as long as you know as a writer what you're getting into and what the purpose of your story is i really need to believe just for my sake because it's it's the wheelhouse i want to be able to do both that, that it's possible to keep heart and numbers uh you know in the in the same sports world does that make sense, Bob? That's kind of my thought. Yeah, no, it, it totally makes sense, but it, it, it's interesting because at times, like I, I know I, you know, even even hosting the show, I want to provide a little bit of numbers and some perspective, and I'm not necessarily like I'm totally open to having. Uh, views opposite of mine and sometimes frankly people are right and I'm wrong and that's just the reality of when you do an opinion driven show or a sports talk show it kind of comes with the territory because there's nothing worse than having two guys on the air agreeing to agree all the time like I have Mark Spector on and Speck and me do not agree on a lot of things you know that's just that's the you know I'm more of a guy that like I, I from my perspective I've seen an evolution of the game go to skill and so, yes, you still need a little bit of the old school hammer stuff. And Mark and me grew up in Edmonton. So we watched the Oilers of the 80s, Marat. And that team, could they, they could outscore you, but they could also beat the crap out of you. But the problem is the game has moved away from that. And I'm not sure how much of that toughness you need anymore today. So there's an example of a conversation that has on sports, on, on sports talk radio or on, on radio that is maybe different now than it was, say, 20 to 25 years ago the same argument i mean this is this is like the argument with a lot of the analytics driven writers they don't see frankly a lot of valuation in heavy hockey do they unless it's puck possession hockey you know what i'm saying a lot of guys don't have don't have time for the tough guys anymore in the game that's definitely one that i see and i'm i'm similar to that i look i love toughness i i think that watching justin bufflin play hockey was one of the distinct joys of my life as a writer and a sports fan um, and you can watch 
like you can watch forwards dodge across Bufflin's lane, and instead of trying to attack the blue lane on his side, they'll choose his partner. And for years, that was Toby Enstrom. Not only could you watch it with your eyes, but then the analytics folks who chart um, where shots come from would show you that most of the shots came from Enstrom's side because people just weren't attacked because they were afraid. They were genuinely these these. Um, you know, powerful six foot plus, two hundred pound plus people were afraid and intimidated by the possibility of getting hit by Dustin Bufflin. So I'm there for it. I'm there for toughness and even like the uh, the controlled violence of hockey. But then I fall back on that. It's got to affect the puck. You need it needs to actually. Yeah, you have to be able to watch it and prove that. Okay, well, you win the puck after the battle or what have you. That's definitely something that that I lean on um, is what happens afterwards. So if a guy's Six foot four and good. I would take him any day of the week over a guy that's five foot ten and the same amount of good, uh, because I think that size matters. Uh, just it. to hit that one particular uh, well, argument. Well, it's funny you mentioned uh, Dustin Bufflin because and there, there's something about broadcasting games in Winnipeg. The fans are intense. They are loud. There's a great appreciation for the fact that they got a team again. But maybe the t- the hardest hit I've seen an Oiler player take in the last ten years involved Dustin Bufflin, and it was with the Oilers' toughest player. And it was Luke Gazdick. And I don't know if you remember the hit, but he, uh, he, uh, Gazdick was on the left wing. Obviously, Bufflin's a right shot, pinched on the right point down. Gazdick didn't see him coming, and he blew him up. And, I mean, it, this is – I mean, Luke Gazdick could fight anybody. And, and I just remember the Oilers' players. They weren't exactly racing – like, you know what I mean? They all kind of – it was it was a really – the other one was against St. Louis. Dustin Bufflin, and, you know, I, I've known Jay Bomeister for a long time. I don't ever recall Jay getting hit like he got hit by Dustin Bufflin. And Scotty Upshaw jumped on top of Bufflin. And, uh, but, but Dustin could do that to you, right? He was just this huge, massive. Milan Lucic took a run once at Dustin Bufflin and got knocked on his ass as well. So it could happen. So interesting stuff. How do our listeners follow you on Twitter and uh, check your stuff out on The Athletic, Marat? Yeah, on, on The Athletic, uh, anywhere that you find Winnipeg Jets, you'll, you'll find me. And then on Twitter, it's WPG Marat. So W-P-G-M-U-R-A-T is the handle. Uh, find me on there. Argue with me all you like. I'm there for it. All right. Hey, uh, we're going to do this again. Thank you for your time. Hey, thanks for having me, Bob. You bet. That is Marat Atesh joining us on uh, Oilers Now. And, uh, yeah, he's. I mentioned uh, Lance Lachowski. He's writing out of uh, Buffalo right now. Fine young uh, writer that uh, is grinding. And uh, this guy knows the Jets as well. Real interesting stuff. Some interesting perspectives out there. And that Dustin Bufflin hit. Um uh, this text comes in. Bob, I love your show. I believe there's room for big, fast, skilled guys in the league, but you can't be big and slow. Speed is what it's all about. I don't always agree with you, but your views are more centered to my own than most in E-Town. Uh, Adam says, well-spoken guest. Excellent stuff. That one comes to us from Adam. And, uh, you know, we're getting lots of texts, obviously, on the Dominic Cahoon signing as well. This text comes in from Troy Nehemi. He says, Bob, we've got 15 forwards under contract. Which of the three current wingers will not be in Edmonton's starting lineup? Uh, he goes, Chason, Kara, Haas, Patrick Russell, Cassian, Neal, Paul Yarvey, uh, Cahoon, Nygaard. Um, I'm thinking Nygaard is going to be challenged to be in the opening day roster if everybody's healthy. I think Patrick Russell will be in tough on the right side. And uh, Kara, I guess. 
We'll, again, we'll see. The winners are way deeper. They're going to be allowed uh, to play a different style. In theory, I think Edmonton will be, they'll have the puck more uh, because they won't get caved in on the third and fourth lines. And the numbers, again, last year, like Riley Sheen and Jujar Kara were a major part of Edmonton's second-ranked penalty killing unit. They were. That's So, too, was coaching and the work that Jim Playfair did. Uh, but five-on-five, five, Riley Sheehan was minus 20 in true five-on-five five situations. So that's where he's not benefiting from being on the ice for shorthanded goals for or on the ice for empty nets goals for. He even scored, I think, an empty netter last year. Uh, and Cairo was minus 19 in true five-on-five five situations. Just like even though the dry settle McDavid finished with negatives and plus-minus, they're actually plus, plus players five-on-five. Five. Edmonton had the best power play in 40 years in the NHL, but... Th- Leon Dreisaitl was minus 10 on the power play because of how that stat works. Um, so the Oilers gave away a lot on the third, fourth lines at even strength last year. I think most of the listeners get it. You can, again, you can text us at any time at 780-496-0063 on the Ashley Five Floors text line. Oilers have some options that are going to allow them to play a different style of game and retain the puck a little bit more. We'll come back with uh, this day in Oilers history when we return in Oilers now. <laughs> This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, again, you can text us at 780-496-0063. This was a pretty significant day in the history of the Edmonton Oilers, as Brendan Escott is about to tell you. Back in 1978... Wayne Gretzky acquired by the World Hockey Association's Edmonton Oilers, of course, from the Indianapolis Racers, along with Eddie Mio and Peter Driscoll, $825,000 and future considerations. Brian Hall was going nuts that day. He knew. He knew how big that a deal that was going to be. The next day, listening to Wes Montgomery, man, they were stoked. This was before John Short, by the way, was doing his uh, evening call-in show. Wayne Gretzky acquired from the WHAs uh, uh, by the Oilers and the WHA from Indianapolis, along with Eddie Mio, who ended up being in Wayne Gretzky's uh, wedding party, and Peter Driscoll. For those of you that don't remember the name Peter Driscoll, hard-nosed energy player. He could fight. One time, he knocked the snot out of Gilles Malosh, who was goaltender for Minnesota, and then turned around and dropped the gloves and said, who wants it? Um, kind of along the lines of what Zach Cassian did in Arizona a few years ago, maybe during the, I think it was during the 16-17 season, uh, the Oilers were playing Arizona, and Ekman Larson had cross-checked Matt Hendricks from behind in the boards, and then Zach went in and cross-checked uh, Ekman Larson on the boards and then turned around and dropped his gloves and just waited for somebody to come fight him, which instantly uh, made a whole bunch of Oilers fans love him on the spot. In Driscoll's case, he actually kind of upset some people because it was, I think Edmonton was up pretty good in that game against Minnesota. He just stuck his elbow, elbow Malosh right in the mush. Royal Pizza, pizza, pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. Royal Pizza offers curbside pickup and takeout options for a menu and a list of their 13 Edmonton and area locations. Go online at royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffert recommendation is the Mediterranean chicken. Tomorrow, Penguins color analyst Michael Rupp 
uh, from AT&T uh, Sportsnet out of Pittsburgh. He also does a lot of work on the NHL Network. I think you're going to be pretty interested to hear what he has to say about Dominic Cahoon, who joined us on today's edition of Oilers Now. Also, Sportsnet's Mark Spector for the horses. Horse Racing Alberta, featuring live standard bread racing Saturday and Sunday at Century Mile. Fan access is still limited, but you can watch and wager online at hbibet.com. Horse Racing Alberta, employing Albertans, contributing to the economy, caring for our horses. Reid Wilkins has inside sports tonight, 6-8, including the Eskimos Coaches Show with Morley Scott. And Scott Milanovic. You'll also hear from, uh, well, another Penguins color radio analyst, Phil Bork. There you go. One of the great guys in the business. Uh, off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Up next on 6.30 Jet, the 6.30 Jet Afternoons with Jalen. I have a wonderful Monday, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.